From Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. I'm Karen Greenstone, along with Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Today on Prescription for Healthcare, our guest is Rose Roach. Ms. Roach is the recently retired Executive Director of Minnesota Nurses Association. Rose has 30-plus years of experience in the labor movement in Minnesota and California. She has been a member of Healthcare for All Minnesota Board of Directors and is the incoming national coordinator of the labor campaign for single payer. Welcome to Prescription for Healthcare, Rose Roach. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. In the past two Prescription for Healthcare interviews with Dr. Carol Paris and Dr. Diljeet Singh, we talked about moral injury and how the current medical system requires medical providers to function under a, a variety of very difficult pressures. Looking at how to relieve the pressure, some people recommend that medical providers, physicians, and nurses unionize to have a voice in the decisions that affect them in the office and in the hospital due to the corporatization of healthcare. Rose, will you please give us a brief history of how doctors and nurses have become unionized in the U.S. in the recent years? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I think it's important to start with the basics. Unions are formed when workers come together to exercise their collective voice to impact their terms and conditions of employment. So let's remember who the union is and who the union isn't. And as you said, as healthcare is becoming just another corporate business, nurses for actually a number of decades and more recently doctors have decided that forming a union is the only way that they are going to be able to save their profession and actually protect their patients. It's very unique within the House of Labor for doctors and nurses because what they use the, the collective bargaining process for is not just about ensuring wages and benefits that are commensurate with the incredible services that they happen to provide society, like saving our lives and healing us, but they use the collective bargaining process for us as their patients. They are literally negotiating patient safety and they are focusing on a negotiated process that ensures that patient outcome is in the best interest of the patient and not just the bottom line of that corporate entity. Something that is becoming more and more of a focus for labor in this country is to bargain for the common good, is what we call it. And what is more common as a common good than public health? So this such a unique opportunity and such a good fit for our healthcare providers to be thinking about how they can come together to really improve the healthcare system as a whole, and particularly within communities where the hospitals actually exist. I just want, in my many years of working with nurses and doctors in the labor movement, whether I was actually representing them or working with them outside in the sense of all coming together to fight against this corporatization of healthcare, it's very clear that doctors and nurses are the conscience of healthcare. They are the force of their own profession and they are the voice for us as patients. Corporate healthcare doesn't give two hoots about us, but not so when it comes to our doctors and our nurses. And it is now evident that the only way 
to radically change a healthcare system that is nothing more than a healthcare marketplace these days that is being bought up by Wall Street solely for the purpose of generating profit. It's to radically engage care providers in the collective struggle that we are all in for a humane patient provider-centered system. And that's why that I really believe that we are seeing more and more physicians exploring unionism as a way to ensure their ability to practice medicine as they've been trained to do, not practice per the corporate bosses who have been trained to make money. No one should profit from another human being suffering. Our doctors and nurses are coming together to fight against that ever-growing focus of our healthcare system. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you so oh, much, Rose. Yes. Whoa. Here, here. <laughs> so with that, can you please bring us up to date on what has been happening in Minnesota where you live? Yeah, pretty exciting. I think it's a little over 600 doctors at one of Minnesota's largest corporate health systems, Alina Health, have decided that they've had enough. <laughs> and they recently organized with Doctors Council, SEIU Local 10MD. These doctors have formed what is believed to be the largest collection of unionized private sector physicians in the country. The Minnesota Nurses Association also happens to represent around 6,000 registered nurses at various Alina facilities throughout the state. And I think that they've been organized for almost half a century now, if not more. So, of course, I was very proud to be the executive director of the Minnesota Nurses Association before I retired, I was only too well aware of the complete disrespect that those corporate bosses had for those who provide the actual care. So it's no surprise to me that these doctors voted to form a union. I think they also saw up close and personal what union nurse power looks like. And I'm beyond thrilled that these doctors have decided to be union. In my role, both as the national coordinator for the Labor Campaign for Single Payer and chair of Healthcare for All Minnesota, I have been in touch with the Alina Doctor Union leadership. I wanted to express to them our support as they hit the bargaining table. We are here to help them achieve their goals as they bargain their first contract. But once they're done with that, we want to build a relationship so together we can start to strategize and figure out within the healthcare justice movement here in Minnesota how to win single payer either in the state or even better yet, at a national level. So it's all really very exciting. Would you tell our listeners the story that you just told us before we were recording about the, the glass injection tubes? Sure. The Minnesota Nurses Association formed as an association back in 1905. And one of the first times that they really all came together as a collective voice, I think it was in the 1960s when syringes, as we would call them here in the non-practitioner world, were made of glass. And as you can imagine, they would break when you would be giving an injection. And nurses would have the cost of that glass syringe taken out of their paycheck if it should break when they were giving an injection to a shot to someone, which was just crazy. And so the nurses got tired of that and they all got together in the Twin Cities area and threatened to walk off the job if that practice didn't stop. And by gosh, it stopped. And so that is, again, just a demonstration of the power of the collective body. What advice would you give doctors and nurses in Indiana who may be thinking about forming or joining a union? So number one, remember, again, the union is you. 
It is not a third party. Your employers will third party the union all over the place and tell you the union is going to come in and tell you what to do and tell you to go on strike and tell you how to negotiate a contract. None of that is true. I spent 34 years as union staff, both representing classified school employees in public schools, as well as nurses. And it is the members of the union who decide what's going to be negotiated, how it's going to be proposed, who's going to make the proposals. And if you take that ultimate step of withholding your labor, that is up to you. That is a vote of the membership and the staff of the union does not even have a right to vote or a say so in that. So that's number one. You decide. Always remember that. Number two would be, I would say to you, God bless you all for what you do, but I am afraid with this corporatization of healthcare, you cannot one doctor at a time take on corporate healthcare and your corporate bosses anymore. The collective voice, the collective struggle, and the collective solidarity is the only way to protect your profession and your patients. I would also say, don't fear change. Fear the status quo. It's killing us. And that's not hyperbole. Doctors and nurses, as we know, the suicide rates, are at record high. You mentioned moral injury. It is inflicted on you all as care providers and as clinicians. You are repeatedly expected in the course of providing care to make choices that transgress your long-standing, deeply held commitment to healing. That's not okay. People are dying in this country simply because they can't afford to access health care. And that number is equal to a jumbo jet crash in every day of the year. That's why no one and no one is more credible, more trusted, and more respected by society than those who have dedicated their lives to saving the lives of others. And when it comes to this issue, that is all of you. You have a platform unlike any of the rest of us, and I would say, therefore, an obligation to use it to change a system that sees you just as a cog in the wheel and your patient as just another customer. Guaranteeing healthcare for all with no exceptions is akin to the Hippocratic Oaths and the ultimate act of solidarity with one another. So, Rose, what about people, doctors, nurses, asking, what if they retaliate against me? What if management forces me out uh, or fires me for organizing or even talking about organizing or talking with somebody else who is organizing? What about this fear of retaliation? It's very real, and I completely understand it. But there are some laws on the books still that protect us when we are <laughs> seeking to form uh, a union. So if during the organizing drive, you are a major leader and a major organizer in trying to move for the vote for a union and promote a union, and you are terminated, the union that is involved in helping you, the staff of that union, they're going to have lawyers and they can file charges. And we've seen this happen recently. And people have been restored to their positions because they have been found to violate the Fair Labor Standards Act. You cannot be retaliated against legally. But of course, corporations don't care much about those types of laws. So they might do it. But you do have those protections. And the union that you are organizing with will step up and fight for you and do everything possible to get you your job back. Rose, Will you please tell our listener what is your prescription for health care? So I'm going to use a quote from, believe it or not, the first Batman movie with uh, Michael Keaton and <laughs> Jack Nicholson, because at one point when Jack was playing the Joker, uh, he was watching something on TV that was saying pretty bad things about the Joker. And his response was, this town needs an enema. 
my prescription as a non-practitioner <laughs> for healthcare is that this system needs an enema. No more trying to work within this ridiculous idea that health is somehow a consumable good, believing that we can fit healthcare within the constructs of economic supply and demand doesn't work that way. You don't decide to have a heart attack one day because the local hospital has got a discount on bypass surgery. We have to start building the infrastructure for an improved and expanded Medicare for all because we know for a fact that a public health system can guarantee health care for all, save money, improve quality, and most importantly, save lives. Medicare as we know it is slipping away from us. We have about five years to save and protect Medicare from the profiteering vultures who are literally killing us for profit. The time is now, everybody. Let's get to it. Rose, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you took time. You really pepped me up. <laughs> uh, we so much welcome and appreciate your history of working with unions and healthcare justice. It's really been a shot in the arm. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity and hopefully I gave you the answers you all were looking for. <laughs> it was great. And it's helpful. <laughs> Thank you. To get more unions going out there in Indiana. We'd love that. One of the major focuses of the labor campaign, and I'm at the national table with National PNHP and Be a Hero and Social Security Works, et cetera, working on Medicare Advantage. What we've taken on inside the House of Labor is we're trying to get a really high number of state AFL federations, because every state has their own chapter of the AFL, to pass a resolution around level the playing field and to recognize how Medicare Advantage is ripping us off. We're using the PNHP report on that and saying we've got to take that money back and we've got to make traditional Medicare better. We've got to bring those out-of-pocket costs down because that's why people ultimately choose Medicare Advantage. It's all about finances. As retirees, we have, we're on fixed incomes, right? We've got to get that to be actually a real option financially for everybody to go into. And at the end of the day, it won't be profitable anymore for the Medicare Advantage plan. So they'll exit, which is exactly what we ultimately want. Quite frankly, if we try to tell everybody, just get off your Medicare Advantage plan right now, that ain't going to work. So we're trying to pass this resolution to open up space inside the House of Labor to have a conversation about how labor should not be promoting the privatization of Medicare, because they actually are, and to just talk about the privatization of our healthcare system as a whole. Okay, that sounds great. I very much Thank appreciate you. the opportunity to talk union and how we can tie it together with Medicare for All. This is Karen Greenstone along with Dr. Rob Stone for Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio in Bloomington, Indiana. To your good health, everyone, stay safe and thank you for listening. We may never see this moment, a place in time again. If not now, if not now, tell me when.